mean? So like, this is what I tell people is in order to love yourself, you have to love all parts of you. Mm -hmm. You can't just pick and choose. You have to love the good, the ugly, the bad. Right. All of it. And in order to do that, you have to heal those parts that are damaged and relearn a lot of new things. Um, So that's my number one advice for that right there. Welcome back to Shit or Get Off the Pot with Nikki and Cass. Um, We know it's kind of been a couple weeks since we've done any type of streaming. Um, You know, we we apologize. We took a brief hiatus during all of this. Um, But we are back. Nikki and I are both back and we have a guest speaker. Her name is Kat Gates. Um, Hey. Would you like to give yourself a little introduction? Okay, so what kind of introduction do you want? I'm a pretty complex person. Oh, that's true. <laughs> um, give us some basic bitch stuff, like where you live, how old okay. you are, you know, your okay. marital status, that stuff. So um, I'm from West Virginia, where you all are both from. I know you don't live there anymore, Cassidy, but nope, Nikki, you're not. still here, I think. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I'm actually really close to Nikki, uh, as far as where we live in town and I am 33. I'm married and I have two kids, eight and nine. And, uh, I run our apparel business at the house. So. Which Ooh, by the way, basic is... bitch. <laughs> <laughs> which is absolutely adorable. Like I love your apparel business. Um, oh, well, thank you. I plan on buy- purchasing something soon when I have money. Um, Cause I, I don't know. I really like the reverse tie dye. It's beautiful. Well, um, thank you. So I guess we'll go ahead and jump right into it. So Nikki and I have both kind of been very open about our mental health. And that's kind of why we started this podcast. Um, I know that I've expressed that I have adult ADHD and um, OCPD. And then Nikki has uh, BPD-1, right? Um, Well, BPD and bipolar are are different like so there's like borderline personality disorder but yeah I have bipolar type okay one, you're right anxiety depression and PTSD so right and so and then Kat and I had a brief conversation via messenger and so Kat what is your diagnosis well so I have not been diagnosed for many years okay. um so I don't have any recent other than the most recent is PTSD okay um so PTSD, anxiety, uh, bipolar type one. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think about if there's anything else I, I've been in this walk with mental illness has gone on for me for a very, very long time. So, so we've had multiple diagnoses at one point. <laughs> <laughs> so my question for you is, um, what was kind of your breaking point to really seek 
um, help for your mental health. Like we all have that significant event that the light switches and we're like, okay, this isn't cute. This isn't cool. Like I've got to do something about this. I can't, I can't, you know, live like this anymore. What was your moment? So, um, I actually did not seek help the way that most people would in when you would say help. Um, but the, one of the most pivotal moments besides 2020 was, um, when I was, see, it was 2011. Okay. And I'm going to go real personal right here. So yeah, absolutely. That's what we like. Um, I was married previously. So I'm now with my second husband, but my first husband, I had actually caught my best friend with. So, um, and she was like my maid of honor. So at that point, yeah, at that point, it was crazy. At that point, at that moment in my life, I'd actually been medicated. I'd been going to therapy and I don't know what happened other than it was just like a light bulb went off and was like, okay, um, you need to do some inner work. So I kind of don't recommend this to anybody. So, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody to do this, but I actually removed all my medicine and I worked steadily for about seven years on my inner work okay. um, without therapist help. So this was just solely through myself. But prior to that, I'd had, I don't even know how many years of therapy. <laughs> I don't even know how many years of therapy. So I had a lot of tools that I could um, really use. And it was helpful, but that was the number one turning point of actually taking my mental health into my own hands instead of running around acting like a kid, basically, and having someone else tell me to do it. Right. Right. And I feel like personally, like, I mean, from my own personal experience, not speaking for everybody, but I feel like something like traumatic or, you know, like a big event, something happens and then we're like, oh shit. Okay right you know so, oh I mean, yeah it sucks. like it sucks that it's that way but like I really think something big happens before we're like we have a moment of clarity and we're like okay yeah you know, I mean it smacked me in my face <laughs> so it was it was a really big rude awakening for me I learned a lot about myself and and there was a lot of self-awareness that started happening at that time and I was able to start pinpointing behaviors that I was I was uh, engaging in that were just not good um and I'm still working on a lot of those things. So, right. um, you know, you just I get think, better with time. I think when that, <clears throat> sorry, I think when that kind of happens and we start, you know, a self-love journey per se, um, and we're, we're constantly growing from our past mistakes, it's not something that just, just that, that stops. Um, oh, no. It not, it, it's not in a sense that like, oh, I, I want to lose a hundred pounds. We check off how much we've lost. And then we reach that hundred pound mark and we're like, woo, that's great. We lost a hundred pounds. We're done. It's, it's not that it's, it's a constant, like, okay, I've, I've gotten as far as I've gotten. And, and then at that point, it kind of becomes, um, that in each individual person's decision of whether they want to continue growing and make themselves put themselves in situations where they're going to consistently be uncomfortable per se to keep growing or they just they're like okay I'm kind of I'm finished I feel like I've 
met my journey and, and I'm at the point where I'm uh, just stagnant. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'll always think like, why, you know, there's always room for improvement, you know, even if right. we think that we're at our best selves or whatever, um, you know, I think there's always room to, even if like, you're not necessarily like doing wrong or bad things or anything, um, you know, there's always room to, you know, look at something from a, a better or bigger point of view or, you know, something like that. So I definitely agree. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Oh, I do have a question. So since like you said that, like you had cat, like you had taken yourself like off of your mm -hmm. medication and stuff, did you yeah. notice like, uh, or, you know, that you had done it like differently than some people, did you notice like, like whenever you had, you know, quit taking medication, quit going to therapy or, you know, whatever with that, did you notice like, uh, like, was there like a big wave of like, holy shit, like, what am I doing right now? Or were you like pretty confident from the beginning and knew to move forward that way? Or did you have questions like second guesses, I guess, regarding that? I don't, it's been a long time. So I don't recall ever experiencing really doubt I do remember experiencing waves of just feeling like I was crazy. <laughs> and yeah. I, pro I probably was a little out of whack. Like I said, I don't, I don't recommend anyone to do that ever because it's a really risky thing to do, but it's what worked for me. Um, and I have I have not been on medication since. So so my question years. oh sorry so my question for you what was the hardest part for you of coming off of your medication just like did you do it like cold turkey or did you no. wean yourself off like no I did I weaned I okay no yeah because I I was taking up to five I think I was around like five or six medications wow. um strictly for um bipolar anxiety and something else with a sleep. I had to have sleep medication, just all kinds. There was five or six. That's what I remember. And, um, so I did it very slowly. And like I said, I'd already been in a walk with mental illness right. to this point for, for quite some time. So I, I knew you can't do that. Um, it probably would have been really bad if I did that, to be honest. Yeah. Right. I was there. And I was wondering about that too. Cause like, you know, I'm, I'm bipolar as well. And like, even just like with my like depression, anxiety medication, like, you know, life gets crazy. We forget things. So like one time I forgot to call in my prescription refills and missed my medicine for like two days and like literally had withdrawal symptoms. And I don't say that to like scare anybody off for medication or anything like that, but yeah, definitely don't recommend anybody to do no. medication like cold turkey. Or no, no, no. Yeah. And it can be dangerous, you know, I mean, yes. even just outside of feeling like shit, but yeah. Yes. I, and like, and I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, God, why do I feel so awful? And I was like, Oh my God, you dumb bitch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? I was like, this is why. So, but yeah, that, I mean, but I mean, and you know, mental health, I don't want to, I don't want to say like treatment, but you know, I take medication. I go to psychiatry and therapy, you know, that works for me, but like right. medication doesn't work for everybody. So, yeah, no, I agree. And so do you feel a lot better being off of your medication now versus when you were on it? Like, I guess in, in that terms, I ask, like, 
for example, growing up, <clears throat> like when I had ADHD, I was on a medication called Stratera. And when I took it, like I was a complete and total zombie. There was no life to me. I, there was zero happiness within me. I was just like, I'm here. And it just, it, it, it was terrible. But the, I noticed that the days, sorry, I just got my nose. I was about to sneeze. Um, <laughs> I noticed that the days that I didn't take it, um, I was, myself like I am now like I'm, I'm happy and go lucky and bubbly and outgoing and you know all of those things I felt like I could actually think clearly and my brain just wasn't lagging per se did you kind of have like that same reaction or um so I I ADHD was one of the ones that I forgot so I was diagnosed with ADHD I think I was eight or nine and so I was on Concerta mm-hmm. um for up until I was 16 or 17, when I actually, I went to my parents and requested to be off of it. Right. Um, and so with different medications, I have different complaints about, um, the ADHD medicine, um, was, I I didn't have an appetite, so I was incredibly thin. (laughs) And because of that, I dealt with bullying inside of school, or I dealt with someone mentioning that I might be bulimic or what have you these stupid things they talk about in high school but right um so that was a a big reason why I wanted off of that one I had also been to therapy for so long that I just I just started utilizing those tools right um that I had learned and really honing in on it um and then when I did remove all of those medications at once. Yes. I have to say that like, whenever I was ever medicated, I was never myself. And that was really hard for me because I'm a, I'm a person, I love to feel, I love to, um, you know, be engaged in a conversation and laugh and, um, and, you know, not be kind of zoned out essentially like you described. So for me, yeah. yeah, medication definitely affected me in that way. And, um, you know, I, I had a medication one time that actually was just not for me and made things a lot worse at one point, right. um, you know, psychologically. No, I, I agree. Especially the part when you said, um, that you could actually have a conversation and laugh with, with real intent. And I, I felt that same way when I, you know, I personally came off off of Stratera when I turned 18, uh, because that's when my mom legally declared me as an adult and I could, um, you know, make my own decisions. And I, you know, had told her just bluntly, I was like, I, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not taking this medication anymore. And, you know, she was like, well, that's your decision. I'm not going to tell you otherwise. Um, And so I was like, okay. And it was like, I didn't, I'll be honest. Like I didn't wean myself off of it. I just stopped taking it completely. Uh, I mean, there was some side effects to it, but the one thing that I noticed is like, there was joy back inside of me and there was happiness and I was able to actually have an actual conversation and laugh with, with, uh, 
with passion and actually like mean it and not be like, ha ha ha, that was a funny joke and just, uh, be there physically, but not mentally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have a neurodivergent (laughs) brain too. So, you know, and and me being a neurodivergent as well, things are, and and then the bipolar too. So it's just all kinds of fun up in the head. Um, it's a party. (laughs) It's what I like to say, like, we don't know what we're doing half the time. You know, people think they know that I know what I'm doing, but I really don't. Um, (laughs) Fake it till you make it. I mean, it's cool. I'm pretty truthful. You know, I'm pretty open about my mental illness and stuff on Facebook. So, right. You know, uh, or in social media in general. But yeah, I get that just from the neurodivergent side. That is just how we like, it's just how our brain works. Um, And then when it's medicated like that, I really, I think a lot of us deal with that. Right. I don't think it's uncommon. Yeah. Yeah, I was on mute for a second, guys. Got choked. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was like, started talking. I was like, wait, what? But um, I think that's like- Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I was choking and muted myself and forgot I muted myself. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But um, like, as far as like medications go, you know, they affect everybody differently. Like, I know like some people, uh, you know, just like common, like depression medications, like somebody's like, Oh, try this one. You know, it works great for me. And then like, I'm like, Oh, I was on that one like six years ago. And it made me like triple suicidal, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Right. You know? And then like, I'm like, Oh, I'm on this one and it works great for me. And everybody's like, Oh, you know, I, I was like, kind of like a zombie on that one. It doesn't work for me. And I'm just like, it, which of course, like everybody's individual, you know, things work different for everybody, but it just blows my mind. How, like, one medication can be different for five to six different people you know yeah so Uh, I I know that like the one thing that we've also talked about and I mean you make it super clear Kat is um you know how much you you love yourself as an individual um which it makes me so happy like seeing all of your statuses and stuff um, where you're just so uplifting and positive and I, I love reading your statuses. So my question for you is how did, how did that start? Did it kind of coincide or, um, run parallel with your like mental health journey or was that like a completely, um, different situation where you were like, okay, I'm working on my mental health several years later, you're like, okay, well, um you know I've got to start learning to love myself and all of that stuff yeah so that um 2020 really (laughs) y'all it rocked my socks so um the self-love um I want to say it it does go hand in hand with the um uh mental health and all of that but it was more so a spiritual thing for me. Okay. So um, it's been an awesome journey. I'm, you know, I'm not fully there yet, but it's a, like, it's such a beautiful, messy, (laughs) ugly, um, exciting journey. Right. No, I like self-love. Do you, you know, like, I mean, of course it, you know, it's taken so long to get there. And 
do you find it easy for you, you know, to maintain that for yourself? Like, do you feel, or like, do you feel like you have to give yourself pep talks? Like, okay, we yeah, love like, our, you know. Yeah, like, like, like be your own hype man. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. yes, I'm my biggest hype person <laughs> and I had to become my biggest hype person. Right. Um, not that I don't have a wonderful support system, but um, I think it just means much more when it comes from us inside. Um, for me, yes, I still do have pep talks with myself. Um, and, and it's literally an everyday practice for me. So like self-care is literally a daily thing for me. And I'm, that is a part of my self-love for myself. Um, so yeah, I mean, I have to work on it every day and, you know, like today, I'll be honest today. It was like shit in a handbasket. I don't know what happened today in life, but it was nuts today. And I had to literally talk to myself all day, have that inner conversation of, okay, cat, you're overreacting. Okay. Okay. Cat, is this rational? Right. What are you saying here? What's your tone? You know? And, um, so yeah, it's every day. So like, I know this is, kind of uh, on topic but off topic at the same time so like you talk about like you you have basically your own internal monologue when shit gets crazy or wild or whatever you've got to you've got to kind of talk yourself down so I do that too but that those parts of me all stem from my anxiety where it tells me things that aren't true and and I have named my anxiety my anxiety's name is Patricia <laughs> oh my gosh so this is so funny I I named my ego oh, and, oh my and my ego's name is Linda <laughs> so I think that's so funny because I'll be like shut up Linda I'll do the same shut thing up. you know like, like I, I will physically like like I, in order to calm myself down from some scenario that's going on or whatever I'm scared about like I will physically you know, walk into like a a room with a mirror and look myself in the mirror and be like, Patricia, who told you this? Did, did, did so-and-so told you this? No, you told yourself this. So shut the fuck up, Patricia. Be quiet. It's going to be okay. No (laughs) one said these things. You are making it up. And then like, I'm good. Yeah. Like that's what I that's what my insides we we call ourselves. I'm like, you dumb bitch. And I'm like, no, you dumb bitch. We're being nice to ourselves today. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I think the 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 monologue's hilarious. I mean, after I list after I replay it in my head, I'm like, you're ridiculous. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I'm like, God, if anybody ever heard these monologues from my head, (laughs) God, they would be like clinically insane <laughs> right right yeah exactly put her in a straight jacket right now <laughs> so well, I mean I mean so my question for you is <clears throat> I know everybody's self-love journey is um it's very different and w- with mine so mine personally came from I have constantly for the longest time sought validation from others and other relationships or other people or other friendships or, or whatever. And I could never self validate myself. 
And it also stemmed from um, my anxious attachment style, um, which, <coughs> sorry, isn't fun at all. And um, <clears throat> so I really had to kind of dig deep and be like, you know, you, you, you're an amazing woman. You're super humble. You're grounded. Like, you know, all of these things. Don't let somebody else tell you differently. And I've, I finally have gotten to this point where I'm like, I now can wake up in the morning and be like, God, you're an amazing person, Cassidy. I love my life. Like I am, you know, I'm this side or the other, and I can just go about my day and not have to worry about, um, other people's opinions of me because other people's opinions of me are none of my business. And so I just, you know, I just go about my day. So I know that my self-love journey is different and how I hype myself up is different. I know how you hype yourself up is different. My question is, <clears throat> oh my God, this cough. Um, somebody who's kind of going through this self-love journey where they are trying to actually really find themselves and love themselves and you know all of that stuff what piece of advice would you give them like what what would you like if you if you knew somebody right now or if you could if you could talk to somebody on a park bench in the middle of nowhere under a tree like what would you tell them that's a good question um so uh, for me, if I was sitting next to someone and they were like, if they were asking me about self-love or for advice on that, my first thing that I go to is you have to start with healing. Yeah. I have to agree with that. So, uh, and I you, like, go me, ahead. Sorry. And I think me personally is... Uh, my biggest thing was always uh, half loving myself because I didn't want to whole love myself because that meant I had to be vulnerable with myself and I had mm -hmm. to yeah um actually heal from my past traumas and yep. literally deal with them and that's a very scary thought of sitting down and being like whoo here we go let's deal with these past traumas and yep. it is and it's gonna be uh, a completely separate trauma in and of itself. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, so like, this is what I tell people is in order to love yourself, you have to love all parts of you. Mm -hmm. You can't just pick and choose. You have to love the good, the ugly, the bad, right? All of it. And in order to do that, you have to heal those parts that are damaged and relearn a lot of new things um so that's my number one advice for that right there healing it's that's where it starts I like could not agree more yeah uh, I definitely and I think like a hard part of that too like anybody starting their like self-love or healing journey is like acknowledging like I know for a while like I personally had an issue being like okay, you're an angry bitch. Like you're mean sometimes, you know? And for a while I was like, I'm not mean. I'm just tired of people's shit. Like, you know, yeah. and then, you know, like when I actually like kind of started 
you know, digging inward. And I'm like, no, sometimes you are mean just to be mean. Like, and, um, you know, so I think like, it's really like, that was like one of the hardest things for me was, you know, you have to love every part of yourself, but you know, before you can do that, you have to acknowledge your, I don't want to say like negative energies or whatever you're putting out there. But I mean, you do because you can't heal or fix that to love yourself until you figure out what your root problems are. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So finding out your triggers, why am I triggered? Why am I reacting this way? Right. Yeah, absolutely. That goes hand in hand with healing. I I mean, you can't, I'm going to be real with trauma. You can't, I mean, just talking about it, you got to dig real deep with it. And, And it's, it's scary it is so scary to go in those places in your brain that you haven't been for years, you know, since you were a kid and then you've got to go back in those spaces and, and, and light it back up essentially, you know? Um, so you have to start loving the inner child that was broken and heal from that. Um, right. I, I think it's when you, when you talk about healing and healing your triggers and what triggers you yeah, and, and talking about it, it's one of those situations where it's like, you can talk the talk all you want, right? But you've got to walk the walk as well. Yeah. So. And doing what Nikki said, you know, to, to look yourself in the mirror and admit like, I'm an asshole um like right. you know or like this is terrible that I'm doing or or you know looking at yourself in the mirror it's a it's not easy it is I, uh, ugly it's it's hard and, and I know that that's I can account like account for that I know that I can testify to that and you know raise my hand 100% and say that like I personally think the first step not only like the out- ultimate first step you know, to being able to heal and self-love yourself is taking accountability mm-hmm. for your behavior and your actions. And so and it kind of coincides with, you know, Nikki saying like, looking in the mirror and saying, you yeah, you are, you know, you're not just a bitch because you're tired of people's shit. No, you're just, you're just mean for this reason, you know, for X, right. Y, Z reason. And so, you know, I've, I kind of have had to do the same thing where I've, you know, sat down and was like, no, like you're, you're, you're this way and you're going to start taking accountability for it because Mm -hmm. even though it feels so much easier and it feels, if honestly, it feels so wonderful just to run from your issues and act like it never happened and then come back to it and hope it just disappeared and it may have eventually that shit catches up to you and eventually it just is like you have finally hit your brick wall you've hit the bottom of the barrel and I'll tell you right now the the first sign the first time that you ever really um have to deal with or you notice a significant change in your behavior or, or whatever. If even if some, if you have somebody who who's close to you and points it out and says, you know, Hey, um, this, what you're doing right now, it's not cool. I think you should really look into it. Um, you know, I really want you to be better work on yourself. You know, I really want us to be you know, this, that, or the other, take it 
like don't take it by a grain of salt like take it very internally and dig deep and be like oh okay you know someone's being real with me I wonder how many other times someone has other people have wanted to be real with me (laughs) and don't get to that point where um you know shit gets really bad shit hits the fan you hit the bottom of the barrel and then you lose everything and everyone and everything around you and then you have to re rebuild from the ground up then then like when you notice that first sign of whatever like do the work then not when shit has gone awry basically yeah so I actually say I call that turning the bus around before it's too late right like you know so catch it early and 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 I have to say this with self-love as the more you practice the more you practice calling yourself on your bullshit the more you practice um talking to yourself in a way that is compassionate and loving and caring and 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 um treating your body correctly and and all of those things once you ADHD moment because I totally forgot where I was going there girls um <laughs> man I'm so lucky I'm not the same I'm not the only one because I, <laughs> I will start a story and you oh. know, branch off to 20 different stories and get to like the 13th one and go Wait, where was I? What was I talking about? <laughs> but then if I keep going, then I get back to where I was. <laughs> okay. So I remember now. Okay. So if you if you stay consistent in those things, it does get easier and it's almost like second nature. So, you know, there are going to be times where you dip down and maybe you do have to climb up a little bit more because you've kind of regressed, but that's okay. And just as long as you recognize that and you take a step to move up that ladder again and keep going. Yeah, definitely agree. And like, I know like one of my biggest issues, like when I first started all of this, like, you know, my own journey or whatever, like, uh, I'm just, I'm a mean, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm a mean person. I'm not a mean person. I'm an angry person. Just it's my personality, you know, trauma responses, whatever. Right. And, um, so, you know, I will literally fight and argue with somebody till I'm purple in the face, like, you know, and <laughs> I won't apologize about it. So it really took me a long time to be like, okay, listen, like, yes, this may have angered you. And then like, you know, the other person's response kind of added a little bit of fuel to the fire, but you need to take a step back and being like, okay, I overreacted and apologize. Like, and this is something like I still talk to my therapist about now. And like, she's like, it's easier to be angry than, than to acknowledge the issue and apologize. And I'm, oh, like, yeah. I'm like, right. And she's like, but you know, she's like, but it's like, the best thing you know she's like not trying to tell you how to live your life but and I'm like no you're right <laughs> right so, but but I always appreciate like especially like people with mental health issues and, I mean well just I don't want to say normal people but you know other people as well like you know people are stubborn even without like mental health issues and like just like a simple apology or like uh I say this a million times but it's my favorite word now self-awareness or whatever you know acknowledging your bullshit and you know going from there with it like goes a long way yes I told my husband this year I said I'm calling you on your bullshit and I expect (laughs) you to call me on my bullshit so um we're we're here right yep fist bump all right we got this you know 
I, and it so, works out. I mean, you know. Oh, sorry. I did not mean to cut you off. Um, so I know. So I guess we can segue into you and your hubby. So how did you and your hubby meet? Well, so we, we've known each other. Actually, I worked with him at um, the hospital, one of the hospitals uh, local to us here. Um, right before I actually got pregnant with my son and we were just kind of like acquaintances. I would see him out smoking and he had just had his daughter. Um, and, and I just kind of knew him that way for, um, quite some time. And then, um, he was always super cute, super sweet. I got way, or I heard that somehow I heard, I don't remember who told me or how or whatever, but anyways, that him and, um, his daughter's mother were, they were no longer together, that they were split up or whatever. So I would start flirting with him. You know, he was cute. I was like, okay, well, I have, you know, I finally got up enough nerve to give him my phone number and it had been months later and he actually turned me down. He, he said, I am trying to make things work with my daughter's mother and I cannot accept that. So, I, you know, I had much respect for that. I mean, you know, okay. I was unaware. I didn't know. And, um, he stood his ground on that and that was okay. So, um, we went back and forth through a couple years, just friends, you, you know, just, Hey, how you doing? Whatever. Mm-hmm. And I ended up leaving the hospital and I think it was around, I want to say like six months later, I find him on social media just by chance. I'm not even looking for this man. And he pops up somewhere. I don't know. And I was like, oh my goodness, there's that guy. I have to message him just to see. Cause by way of his social media, he did he didn't look like he was in a relationship. So um, right. we got in contact and we were actually good friends for, um, a few months we hung out um as friends and then the love blossomed and so we were just kind of inseparable and um we met our each other's children about six months later and it's been wavy since it's like a true romantic comedy love story oh god <laughs> he's so is, beautiful he is- he is, I really lucked out. He is such a really good guy and, and he is, um, learning to be supportive and encouraging. And I'm just, I'm still swooned by him. (laughs) One, like, this is going to sound like super like one-sided. So I'm sorry how it comes off. I don't know how else to say it, but like awesome that a man you're like, Hey, I need you to be more supportive or, you know, this is what I'm doing. I need your support with this. And he's like, okay, like I'm willing to learn to help, you know, to do that. Or, you know, does that make sense? Like, cause most people are just like, Oh, I am supportive. But like, you yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't like we've been married. Let's see. It'll be four years this year. So, um, he, he wasn't necessarily like pushbacky against it, but almost he didn't experience that stuff as a kid. He wasn't around any of that, um, or didn't witness any of that. So it was, it was like a, 
kind of strange to, for him to see maybe a cycle happen. And he sees that flip there and he's like, what the hell is going on? Um, but it took him a little while and it really, what it boiled down to was me just basically sitting down. We have great communication. So just sitting down and just saying, Hey, this is what I need from you. Um, that's, he began, but, but it wasn't anything that like, he just naturally knew how to do. (laughs) I will give anybody like so much credit for like one, just listening. And secondly, being like, okay, like, this is what you need me to do. I'll do it. You know? And like, cause a lot yeah. of people don't, especially, you know, if they haven't experienced it, you know, they're kind of just like, uh, what do you mean? Or, you know what I mean? So like, I'm really right. happy that like, okay, I'm here for it. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, because yeah. that, I mean, so, experience, like, that's thing. to get, I guess, more personal, your husband is African-American, correct? yes well he's biracial okay so i i didn't i didn't know and i didn't want to overstep my boundaries um (laughs) and so you all are in a interracial marriage how especially living in west virginia we know that state hasn't changed since it you know the 1950s um (laughs) how how have you all dealt how have you all together um, how, how have you all dealt with that? Or how have you as, you know, a woman of non-caller dealt with the hardships of that or the, me- or the mental exhaust, mental and emotional exhaustion of that? Cause I'm sure that you all have received comments because, you know, you are, you, you're white and he's, you know, biracial. And I'm sure that you all have received like negative comments about that. So, so- how, how have you dealt with that? Like mentally and emotionally wise or together? So for, for us, honestly, I cannot um, pinpoint an actual time that anyone has actually said anything, but I think it's due to our age. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's, how old is he? 35, 30, I'm 33, (laughs) he's 35. So we entered this relationship, um, in our late twenties, starting off in 30 and I think because of our clear boundaries and because of our um, the people we surrounded ourselves with I think we really didn't receive much kickback right um my parents are are absolutely wonderful I I mean they've never it didn't matter to them so um Yeah. I mean, I don't remember anything ever really happening. I will say that, you know, um, in today's time, uh, it, it can be scary, um, of the, what ifs could happen, right. Uh, you know, in regards to my husband and my children, um, being treated as equally as myself, um, in certain situations, but other than that, we've not had anybody close. Now I'm sure people have snickered behind or whatever, but I think I come off as super intimidating. So (laughs) you're like, don't fuck with me. (laughs) I I mean, just my aura, just like who I am. I feel like I just kind of give that off. And I I, I think that's why nobody's really said anything. He has dealt with racism himself. 
um, but not in regards to our relationship that I'm aware of. Right. So I know that like, I really like when, when Nikki and I started this podcast, we wanted to get, talk about like, you know, personal subjects or sensitive subjects. Um, Cause I don't think that they're talked about t- so much in today's society and everything is a stigma or a taboo. And I know that we're coming up on very closely here soon we are we are coming up on the death of George Floyd and I know that you have two children you have a a boy and a girl of color correct yes am I they're about yeah they're multiracial okay I was like am I insane please don't I god (laughs) I mean people would see them and consider them black but yes I mean just just because of their dad right so my question is how because I I swear I saw something a long time ago that you had posted about having to deal with a situation like that with with your son um just dealing dealing with with racism with your son and how as a from a parent standpoint how has having those types of very hard conversations with your children affected your mental and emotional state um Okay, so for me, um, it's really disheartening. I'll be honest with you. This is this right. is something that is like really, really. Um, it's it's hard to deal with, and and it is because you know media and especially now because there's just this heightened uh, racism. That's I mean it's it's well it's not heightened it's just being brought to light but it 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 is scary to think that like having those conversations with your children is really hard I just want to say that it is one of the hardest things that you can discuss that you have to you know talk to your children about that this stuff still happens that you know and and you go about it in a way that they can understand at their age you know you don't you don't want to you know, traumatize them. Right. Um, but yeah, it has affected me. I, I will say that it, it, you know, anxiety, like when he is playing in the street with his Nerf guns, straight anxiety the oh whole time gosh. I have to set. And, and, and we live in West Virginia. And so right. it, it's, you know, I worry about those things. We have wonderful neighbors though. And I've never had anybody act a certain way towards my children or anything like that but it's still the thought in the back of your head and it's it's always a what if a what if. yeah I mean all I can say is if this is anything what it felt like to be a black mother in the 80s and I'm not claiming that I know what they feel like right okay but during the really, really tough times of police brutality, wow. I mean, that's just, it's horrible. Right. So yeah, yeah, that's a really touchy one for me. I'm trying to hold back my tears right now because like it's, it's something that like is really scary for me. Right. Um, I try to tell myself that there is a, there is, there is light being shown and that, you know, there's a new paradigm happening. We're going to have see new systems put in place. And, you know, I keep telling myself that like <laughs> everything's going to get better, but it's, a, I, it, 
I mean, we'll hope to. And then, like, I just, I couldn't imagine having to deal with what you face as a mother or, or, or any mother, whether, you know, they are a mother of the that is white or black and you know they have you know biracial children or you know children of color you know just having to deal with that in the back of your mind and and constantly have to have those conversations with your children like if this happens this is what you need to do these are the procedures or you know like what you know or I'm gonna go let my kid play out in the street you know but what if this happens you know yeah I just that's you know I mean and some people may think that you know me having these conversations and me and my husband having these conversations are wrong what have you teach their own right um you know um my I it, it's a it's this is just really tough to even verbalize for me. I think at any parent with any child, if there is any chance of inequality or treatment of this, you know what I mean, fair treatment. Yeah, it's a scary thing. Um, for me, you know, I, I've been very attached to my son because of that reason. Um, so I over attachment of, you know, I'm very protective of who he's around and, uh, who he's going to, you know, uh, what adults are he, is he going to be with? Um, you know, and I'll be honest, 2020, yo, people, I personally know people, that are, are, are live down the street in towns over that my children can possibly come in contact with openly being racist. It's scary to me. You right. Know? And that was a question I was going to ask, um, was that of course, you know, uh, you know, like the, you know, like Cassidy said earlier, you know, it's a George Floyd case, you know, being heightened, you know, in a, a huge topic over the last year, um, is if you had ever, you know, come across anybody that you have known personally that, yeah, I don't know if this is the oh. right, correct thing, but like they're true callers. You saw a part of them that you didn't know of before, um, mm-hmm. if you know, that you had, you know, I guess those things come to light and, um, you know, how that affected you, like French, you know, potentially losing friendships and things like that. I think now I will, I will give myself this. Something I worked on with myself years ago was being able to walk away from someone and understand that that time was just up. Right. And so that I'm not as disheartened. Um, and, and, and this year, that's yeah this year so many people I personally know people I've grown up around people around in my town people that I never would have ever guessed right that I've right had you know really in-depth conversations about things that I really saw their true colors and it and it it, yeah no it's sad it is it's so sad like Oh gosh, sorry, I thought to hiccup. Your community. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, you're fine. I, I was about to hiccup into the microphone and I was like trying to hold it in, suck it down. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know that 
2020, like you're right. 2020 really brought out uh, the best and the worst of people more so oh, the worst than, than the best. Um, and for, for me personally, like growing up, um, like, you know, I, I had a mother who was very, um, she, she's very open-minded about, about everything. I mean, just, just everything. She's very, she, she was a hippie child. She was, you know, I, I love everybody. You know, everybody is everybody. Don't base people on the color of their skin. You need to, you need to judge people by the content of their character, you know, do whatever you want. It doesn't affect, you know, me in, in a way, you know, the type of situation. My mom just, you know, she's like, you're gay. Cool. You know, we want, you want to be besties. Great. You're, you're black. Okay. You're my friend now. Like, you know, but she was also the type of person that if she saw, you know, any type of injustice going on, unfairness going on, she had like zero um, problem opening her, opening her mouth and being like, eh, 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 eh. no, that's not cute. Stop that. Um, my mom has very, always been very outspoken, but then my father, on the other hand, um, <laughs> he growing up, he was very, even growing up when I was a little kid, he was, he was very open about his racism. Like he didn't care. He, he did not care. And, um, <clears throat> like I've told, I've told Nikki this, you know, several times, I'll never forget. I was seven or eight years old and I was driving down the road with my dad. And I think I've mentioned it on our podcast before, you know, we were driving and my dad's friends, yeah. neighbors or whatever had, you know, a, you know, person of color working on their truck or something. And my dad just blatantly was, you know, had said, you know, no daughter of mine is going to date a, you know, that, yeah. that word. And as a seven and eight year old hearing that it made me really uncomfortable. And I knew that that wasn't like a good word. I knew that that was like a bad word. I didn't know what that word meant at seven and eight years old, but it just didn't sound good. And, you know, 2020 kind of really brought out who he truly was and is and more so of his racism you know and and it I'll be honest because it kind of shocks me how incredibly racist of a person he is when he has when his wife is um Latina mm -hmm. and she's a woman of color and you know she is has dual citizenship in Mexico and the United States but he'll just you know like word vomit just you know very racist things and 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 I think what kind of irritates me the most and I don't want to get too political or anything in that manner is you know he will use the bible to fuel his racism and his hatred and I I had to you know like you said you know cut people off and he was one of them that I ended up you know and I was like I can't do this anymore you know you're my dad, but I'm an adult and you don't have any custody agreements with me and I no longer have to be a part of you. And so he was one of the people that I ended up cutting off in 2020. And it's been, it's been pretty good so far. Yeah. <laughs> don't be so giggle. 
because you said that not so long. I had to, yeah, I, I had to cut off some people, but yeah. Um, suddenly hard. There's a word for what your dad being married to a Latina and being that way, but that's a whole yeah. other conversation. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Man, I could give you the dirty deets on my dad and it would be oh a heyday. Um, and so I know that, you know, w- with all of that, and so you have two lovely children. And so I know that you are a huge proponent and advocate for homeschooling. So how, ha- how, I want to know this from, from a, and I'm sure Nikki wants to, might want to know this as well from a parental standpoint, how was homeschooling like in 2020? Like, <laughs> yeah, I just want to know. <laughs> well, you know, everything shut down and in the homeschool world that, you know, the myth is that we don't hang out with anybody. So, um, right. All of our groups had shut down and, and all of our extracurricular activities shut down the library, shut down everything. And so, um, you know, and my children, especially Malachi is very much energetic, he loves sports. He loves interacting with other children. And he had his buddies, you know, in his groups. And it was like my children just got ripped from everything they knew. Other I think than that was, me. <laughs> it was like pretty much every child. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, that's why every child, it, it was just like everybody's world got turned upside down. And, and it was, it, we had a lot of mental health days. Okay. Yeah a lot of days. Um, and, and we're just now really getting back into some form of normalcy, normalcy. Yes. So it it was tough. It's, you know, being cooped in the house and not going anywhere. And we were, we were getting on each other's nerves. Oh, no, no, no. I agree. (laughs) Like I, I will say coming from a parental standpoint as well, like you know, being laid off the majority of 2020. And then, you know, I had a five-year-old at the time, you know, and waking up, like, like when I got laid off, I got laid off on a Friday. And so it was, uh, really being, I will say being laid off and never not having a job is a very detrimental thing, especially when you don't know what to do. I've never been in that position where I've had to apply for unemployment, I, I've just never had to deal with that before. And I, I cried for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, um, you know, it was just, it, it was hard, but then, you know, being laid off on a Friday, you know, put, sending out my resume, all of that stuff. And then waking up on Monday and my kid thinking that he's going to go be going to preschool, you know, with all of his friends and, you know, being like, sorry buddy you're not going this week and then you know um going you know going you know finally getting some interviews sending him to preschool or whatever then the following or he's supposed to be you know going the following week and then like that following like everything starts shutting down and so then we're in the house and we're cooped up and we're this that and the other and I'll say like mine and my son's relationship had really had had detrimentally changed and 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 it had a very negative impact on him like I could see 
he was constantly anxious. He was constantly yelling or screaming at me or lashing out or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the situation may, may have been. And I was trying to do everything that I could within my power to make things fun and exciting while being in the house or going and walking around our neighborhood. And it was, you know, trying to get energy out, you know, buying things off Amazon when I, you know, had the money or whatever. And so it was just, it was really, really hard on him. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the moment that I finally got a job, you know, and he was back in school and getting some type of social interaction was the moment that his attitude completely changed. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I have my little boy back. Like I, I have my, I have my little buddy back and he's, you know, he's better. And, and I, and we're on spring break this week and I, you know, I'm working from home this week because I don't have a babysitter. Um, and, you know, so we're pent up in the house all day and I'm kind of seeing his same behavioral reactions now as what I saw back in March of last year, just because we're off for a week. And mm-hmm. so I'm wondering if maybe he has a little bit of like, gosh, I hate to use this word because it's undiagnosed, but a little bit of like, PTSD flashback stuff where he's like mom <laughs> yeah it's, it's like really hard too like with my daughter like you know she'll you know she's 12 and like she's always been like really chill laid back like you know I mean like of course like you know arguments cleaning your room whatever but like relatively like a pretty good kid and I had to say like good kid bad kid but you know what I mean yeah and uh, so like this past year I'm like or you know school year like the current I'm like holy shit what is going on like this she hates me like you know and I'm like what? right but she's on virtual all school year and she's been asking me like can I go to in person can I go to in person and I'm like no because she's like making good grades and stuff you know so I was like no like you're going to keep doing virtual and you know all of that and um you know, but so finally this last nine weeks, her grades started slipping. So, you know, I spoke with her counselor at school and we agreed to send her back in person next week after spring break is over. And, uh, after that, she's just been like really nice. Like mom, I'm cleaning my room, mom, I'm going to mop. And I'm just like, why are you in such a good mood? What happened? And, um, so I was like, okay, like it may be the school thing. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. she's going to see all the friends that are in person and, you know, whatnot. And, so I guess like I did not realize how much it was affecting her mental health like you know throughout the school year because right. I was just like oh she's you know you know at that age she's going through like lady things and you know just being a teenager and whatever because she's about to be 13 and and then like this whole school conversation cha- like changed almost everything and I was just like oh and I'm like, hey, like, if you were feeling anxious or, do, you know, like sad or whatever, you should have told me. And she's like, oh, I don't. I'm just happy I get to see my friends. So I'm like, okay. I don't think you know how to like distinguish it yet, but <laughs> like, right. you know what I mean? And then even like Hudson will be five in June. So he was supposed to start preschool last year. And my ex-husband and I signed him up for preschool. And we, you know, we agreed to go ahead and, you know, send him and stuff. And then, um, once they had gotten classes, like, you know, lined up, ready to go, like his teacher had called me and she and I were talking about a couple things. And, um, I was like, well, how many kids are going to be in his classroom? You know, a bunch of four-year-olds. She was like, I've got like 24 students. And I was like, oh, 
you have 24 four-year-olds in one class she was like yeah so you know my ex-husband and I spoke and you know talked it over and I was like let's just keep him home one more year like so now I'm like registering him from kindergarten and he's like I don't want to go to school I'm gonna stay home with mom I want to stay home with dad you know and I'm just like well now I feel like he missed out on getting like that preparing year you know what I mean like he's going straight into where it counts and I'm like so nervous about it but um my whole point to that was to ask Kat like have you always homeschooled your kids or was there like a pivotal moment to like they were in public schooling and you were like yeah this isn't working I want to homeschool yeah I was gonna ask the same thing like have you always homeschooled your children or have you yeah was there like a moment where you were like fuck public school like they're not getting the education that they rightfully deserve. I'm going to do it myself because I'm better. <laughs> um, well, so Malachi went to, I shouldn't have said his name. I guess it doesn't really matter, but um, nobody knows me on here, but my son, he went to preschool up until I'm trying to make sure my phone, my phone isn't going to, is charging. I'm so sorry. Oh yeah, it's fine. Um, Malachi went to preschool up until about February or it was around do you guys remember when the the teachers were striking about two no three or four years ago okay so he he was there and then when the strike happened I was just like you're not going back but I knew in high school that I always wanted to homeschool my children um my experience in public school was horrid so right um I always wanted to, I gave public school a chance. I was not pleased. I wasn't impressed. And, um, my daughter stayed in the remainder of that year in kindergarten. And after that, that year in kindergarten, I felt so horrible for her. She's a sweet kid. She's super smart. And they wouldn't give her extra work because she was advanced and bored. And so, because she was bored, of course, at five, you make yourself unbored and so (laughs) um she had a really tough year in kindergarten so we just made the point to to just uh homeschool and we've been doing it now this is our third year I think it's awesome yeah third year that's amazing yeah it's like the idea of like the freedom of the curriculum and things that you know people who homeschool have like I'm not structured enough myself as an adult or person to homeschool my children. Right. Um, You know, or, you know, with that, but like, I know people, you know, a couple of people, a handful of people that do homeschool it and, you know, like they'll post like some of their lessons, like, Hey, we went to the local like dairy farm. We learned about this and this and this today, you know, while also getting out of the house. And I'm like, Oh, I love that. Like, I love the freedom of it. And it's, uh, I don't want to say like kids don't learn real life scenarios in public schools, but of course, you know, I don't think they do. I'll be completely honest. I wish I I don't, I didn't know anything about taxes, writing a check, balancing a checkbook, credit scores, any, uh, any of that until uh, like my mid twenties when I tanked everything and then had to do the research on my own. And I, and I don't think that kind of stuff, real life scenarios are taught in 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 school because you know what the thing is is and I and I like saying this 
and I have no problem saying it, is, you know, when teachers are very adamant that you're going to use the Pythagorean theorem in life or whatever, and I'm like, really? Okay, I have been graduated since 2011. You know, the last time that I've used the Pythagorean theorem, probably in uh, 10th grade, which was 2009. So... <laughs> Yeah, you know well, what? Twenty-two like years or twelve years gone. Twenty-two. Yeah. Well, no, that's what I was like. I don't want to say this because I didn't know if it was just it's polka. I went to polka like most of my life, so I didn't know if it was just like backwards ass, like you know. And I had some fantastic teachers, and I had awful teachers. So I'm not speaking right. about everybody as a whole, but you know, we've spoke about the town that we're from. So like, I didn't know if it was just like our area with that that. I, I honestly think it's it's um, a West Virginia curriculum thing, and that's not to diss any teachers at all, because I know that they are only limited to what they can and cannot do set by the educational guidelines by the state board, as well as their local boards. So it's one of those things where it's like, don't shoot the messenger. They're only doing what, what they're allowed to do. I mean, right. like, I'll be honest, like being up here in Ohio, um, which has a pretty decent schooling system. And especially if you're in certain districts within like Columbus and everything, where we ended up in a very, very, very good district. Carter is exceeding, um, above and beyond expectations of what some kindergartners that I know in West Virginia like they yeah. do they do a a lot of the stuff that they learn on or, or yeah like a lot of the stuff that they that they learn is very it's all hands-on it's it's very little or is he bringing home worksheets to do busy work at home or whatever a lot of it is it's all hands-on, it's all family-oriented, it's all, um, you know, open-ended discussions, you know, it's, it's a wonderful, I, I, I genuinely love the educational system that we are currently in. <coughs> yep, I agree, and like, um, you know, even going back to like the Hudson thing where, or I didn't say his name earlier, my son Hudson, <laughs> uh, but he, um, you know, like I said, you know, my husband and I decided to just like kind of not send him to preschool. So like we had gotten like ABC mouse, we had both gotten like, um, like learning games and like workbooks off of Amazon, you know, things like that. And like, we have an amazing babysitter for him. And like, she, you know, was helping her granddaughter with virtual and, you know, things like that. So, I mean, not like that he hasn't been learning this whole year but um well or just you know he's always been learning obviously he's a child but right. um you know like I said I was just kind of worried about like the, starting this year like and they gave me an option like do you want to do kindergarten virtually or do you want to do in person and I'm like holy shit I don't know like I don't want him to do it virtually because I feel like at that age it needs to be more hands-on than right a tablet or you know a, a zoom meeting with the teacher but like also at the same time like five-year-olds are kind of gross you know like he's really good about like washing his hands and wearing his mask but like they like to hug each other and touch each other's things and I'm just like right <laughs> <laughs> absolutely 
so the homeschool but i don't know right yeah (laughs) so but before we end our session today um is there anything else you would like to talk about kat i don't know it's your podcast oh that's true (laughs) (laughs) i just didn't know like if there's any other like advice or um okay so i mean i can give some advice yeah okay so you know your podcast is shit or get off the pot right and this goes along with it i will tell you guys before before i end this i do want to tell you guys because of your first show i actually started going back to therapy so yes (laughs) we love therapy (laughs) so i did and it's it's you know um it's kind of rocky and it's triggering me because i didn't it's kind of weird like your first couple of sessions when you go back to when you go to therapy you're like uh like well (laughs) unfortunately in west virginia like i'm i've avoided therapy for so long because there's such a high turnover rate right and it's literally i literally feel like i don't make progress in west virginia um, because you get so far and then all of a sudden either they leave because and rightfully so because they need to find a better job a better pay whatever um, or maybe they're just not cut out to be in counseling um, but move you literally have state. to start huh I said move out of state <laughs> I I'm working on that um, uh. but Yes. So it's such a high turnover rate. Like I have to keep starting over and guess what? I had intake one therapy session and I already am getting a new therapist because she's no longer there. I'm like, if you want to message me on Facebook, I'll totally send you my therapist name lady. Um, she's like only probably a couple of years older than we are. I've been seeing her since August and she like, she is so amazing. And like, if you're like, I'm an asshole or I feel this way. I know that sounds messed up or, you know, whatever. She's like, no, that's valid. You can do both. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's how my therapist is. She's like, she's, she's very much so the type of your emotions are valid, but your behavior is not. <laughs> right. 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 That sounds like me talking to my kids. Right. <laughs> that's what I tell my kids all the time. You it's valid that you're feeling this way, but we have right. to learn to react differently. Yep. um but yeah so you guys inspired me to go back to therapy um you know all through 20 uh 20 I've done what you would call shadow work um and so my advice is that you know this is this is something my dad told me and it's something that has always stuck in my head and and I hope it's a good thing for other people um but basically anytime I was coming out of a, of a cycle where I've dipped down, I've been impulsive, I've um, swung into depression or whatever in my younger years, I think I was around 19 years old. My dad basically looked at me and said, you know, Kat or Katie is what he calls me, you know, Katie, the world isn't going to stop for you just because you are melting down now, or you are feeling out of control. Now the world is moving on. Right. And he said that not to, it was a little bit of tough love to basically tell me like the world doesn't revolve around you. 
you know? And so for that, I always remembered that. And I always told myself, you know, you're responsible for your own shit. Right. So take care of that shit. It's, I mean, you know, it's hard. Turn the bus around before it goes too far. Um, you know, if you're starting to feel depressed and you can recognize that, or you're feeling anxious or you're feeling whatever emotion it is that you're dealing with, whatever diagnosis you're dealing with, if you can recognize that act, then don't wait, act, then start your routine, start your schedule as schedules or whatever it is that you have to do to keep your head above water and take care of your shit. Because once you go so far, it's really hard to come back back. from that. I mean, it it takes so much effort, more effort than really you needed if you just turned around when you first noticed it. Um, So if you have a partner, you have a husband, um, a mom, dad, anybody in your life that is around you, talk to them, have an open conversation, um, and tell them these are this, these are some actions that I start taking when I start going down this road or that road. So if you see them, do not be afraid to reach out and say, Hey, I'm noting, noticing this. Is this, are you okay? Check in, check in, tell them to check in with you as it's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, talk, be open, communicate with people around you, you know, don't be afraid to say, Hey, I have bipolar disorder. Yes. I might swing left or right, you know, at an instant. And, you know, I'm able to recognize when I do now, but I just want to let you know that, you know, it's not necessarily me. That's like, like that is a part of the illness and I'm working on it. Right. So you know, that's my advice is, you know, just really take care of your shit, man. Don't, don't, don't wait till the last second. It's not worth it. Right. No, I, I agree. I 100% wholeheartedly agree with you on that. I wish I hadn't a lot waited the last second on for, for myself. I wish I wouldn't have waited the last second because I'm exactly where you had stated is where I am now having to do some really, really, really hard work. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm there too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's where I was when I started mine too. And like, I mean, I was at the bottom, like, and that was, it was kind of like a last resort for me. I'm like, okay, something's got to give, you know, I'm like, all right, let's try this. Let's try therapy, you know, let's try, <laughs> you know, medication. My shit is not working. So let's try it a different way. Right. Like, let's do it. but thank you Kat so much for joining us um I I hope that you didn't feel like we were giving you the runaround on on being on here with us it's just like between being sick and and, you know Nikki having other personal issues and then it's just life's absolutely insane I was like oh god this girl probably thinks we just you know didn't we're gonna do this anymore we were we were just horse shitting around but I, <laughs> I'm really thankful that you decided to come on here and, you know, be a guest speaker for us because, you know, we love having different insight into everything that we've talked yeah, about. Thanks that, for having me. 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I was really excited to come. Me too. <laughs> so I know I'm worried, like too. Like I love hearing, like you know, other people's, uh, you know, point yes. of view for and things like that. And like I was telling Cassidy earlier, I was like, yeah, this girl messaged me for you know our Spotify link, and I gave it to her, and I was like, hey, we're always looking for like a guest, and she was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Right. Oh, you know, so, right. Uh, people agree to come on. Right. So, well, anyways, that is the end of our podcast. Um, and we really appreciate Kat joining us. And so we, you will hear from us all next week. And we wish you all a great day. Bye, everybody. Bye.